Abby. And I'm Allie. And it's about time for true crime. We're at part two and I want to know what happens to this motherfucker. Oh my god, I love that. Thanks, I wrote it myself. <sighs> so elegant. Oh my word. So, as you just heard very lyrically, that we are in part two today of the pathetic tale of Mark Bitchell Schnitzel. Yikes. And a bit of a trigger warning here. Violence. Always. Murder. Usually. Which... You knew you clicked on it, but still. Yeah, guys, true crime. I also want to take a second to talk about the sources between the part one and part two. I got a lot of this from news interviews, obviously, with um, victims and people close to him. But they're always listed in the show notes, too. But just so you sort of kind of have an idea of where these things are coming from. um, Copycat Killers had an episode on him. It was episode nine. The acting is painful in it. Wait, what season? Uh, it's just episode nine. So I'm assuming... I think there's only one season right now, but I could okay. be wrong. Just as long as that doesn't throw anybody off. Cool. But the... Again, the acting's really bad, but they did interview like the actual investigators on the case. So... That's pretty cool. That part was pretty interesting. That's where a lot of this came from, but just skip over the part where they have the... It's like Mark Twitchell would be so pissed if he knew that such bad actors run the TV show about him, considering <laughs> like his background. Snobby little film boy. Um, but anyway, uh, the Globe and Mail had a um, like article on him because they did one on like on Edmonton, everything like that. Um, Forty Eight Hours had info on him. CBS News had information on him. The Edmonton Journal. Then obviously cinemaholic.com because duh, they were a good place to start to look at other places and so was Murderpedia just for like I love Murderpedia as a starting place. It's a good, yeah, it's a good place to get started. Not a place where you should be getting all your information, ladies and gents. No. But all of that to say, there's no more um, survivors that we'll chat about. So Jill Tetro was the one and only okay so we did touch base about him but in the last episode we talked about um well obviously one of my favorite shows of all time dexter you know it and um, his handsome little shoulders oh my god those shoulders anyway um we also talked about the psychology in dexter in terms of his homicidal tendencies and being very organized and Contrary to that, how disorganized our Bitchel Twitchell is. Oh, Bitchel Twitchell. And we talked about where Bitchel grew up and his background and what he wanted to do in terms of a career and filmmaking and screwing around in his wife and then making scripts about people getting punished for screwing around on their wives and, you know, all that irony. So much irony. So deep. I also got on a soapbox a couple times. Um, I don't think any of that was important to the actual story, but you know, I like to vent. And then also we talked a lot about his development through film into blurring that line between life and art and trying to recreate something that never happened in a way that was far more brutal and hurt a lot more people. Well, and that's just it. And completely forgetting the fact that it's not real life and the role of early social media 
in this case and how dangerous it was and I don't think it got the credit for the danger that it posed at the time but we'll see more of how that comes into play now in part two and we're gonna talk about 29 year old Mark Twitchell young to be married making waves in a film hobby for the time period that he was um, it does feel accurate for the samurai sword. I will say that. I don't, I don't know you guys, maybe I'm wrong, but in my head, it's like you turn 30 and that's when you enter a samurai sword phase. Like all of the people that will go through it in my head, they're all 30. I think like right now it's that, you know, 18 to 25 that have the barstool flags in their, yes. in their living room end up being the ones in 15 years that have the samurai sword on the wall. Yes, and some of them will inevitably become the World War II dad who lives to just read about random World War II facts. That just feels on point. There's nothing wrong with any of that other than the you know murder part, but that isn't involved in any of this. I feel like they also end up golfing later in life, but like they didn't start until they were like 60. Yeah, it was either a retirement hobby or it was to get ahead with their boss. I think it was a little bit of both. Yeah. Parkano Hostos. But anyway. We Dang chatted. it. I need to know what happens to this bitchel schnitzel. We are going to talk about bitchel schnitzel. Hold on to your butt. Oh, my goodness. Well, buckle up, buttercup, because in this episode, we're going to be chatting about sort of more of how he used Dexter's Kill Room as the blueprint for his ideas. Mm-hmm. We're going to cover... The one and only murder. We're going to get to that. And then we're going to talk about the trial and media coverage afterwards. I rescind my woo about the murder, but I'm excited to get to it. I don't think you rescind it then. Well, I'm excited to get there. I'm not excited about it. Okay. I can live with that. Okay. (laughs) So we're zooming back in. We are um, jumping back to 2008. It is October 10th. So this is two days after Gilles escaped his grasp. And Mark had not lost steam. But he decides he's going to ditch the Sheena profile because that probably was a little bit of a sore subject. But now he's making a new account as Jen. 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 And Jen is hanging out on plenty of fish, as one does. I'll say this. I don't want to give him a lot of credit, but at least Jen is more of a popular name than Sheena. Like... If someone said, I got screwed over by a Jen, there are so many that that could be. There are not that many Sheenas. That, that's true. Anyway. Obviously. You got a point. And Jen matched with Johnny Altinger. Oh, Johnny. Oh, Johnny. So Johnny Altinger was, at this time, 38 years old and a fan of all things computers and technology. Well, they could have been friends. I know, right? His older brother, Gary, told the Edmonton Journal that Johnny would often help him type up essays and work on important assignments using his computer while Gary was at university in a time where, like, not everyone had computers and typing was this, like, was actually a struggle and things like that. He was he was so into techie stuff. There's a lot of information about how much Johnny was into it. But way before people were chatting with people like across the country and stuff that's he was able to make that work back in like the 90s that's wild again don't ask me how they have like a how-to on it but all of that is just over my head yeah and that's not just because i'm five feet tall (laughs) she's really three foot two 
I was hoping you wouldn't say it. Okay. (laughs) So he was part of this online community that was described as small, friendly, and diverse. And again, he would be able to chat with other people who had computers, which at the time wasn't everybody. Right. And obviously in the 90s when he was doing this, it's not like it was today. But it was also a really close-knit community and it was super common to talk to people like literally for years and then make a trip out and go meet who it was that you'd been spending however long talking to. You'd talk on the phone, then you'd message online and I don't know, I'm not going to pretend to right. know what the chat rooms were like, but um, these people often like became like family to each other. So that was pretty cool. He was very computer savvy and had a whole network of people that he interacted with. Uh, he was tall, thin, he wore glasses, he enjoyed paintballing and riding his motorcycle. He worked as an oil fi- oil field equipment manufacturer. Funky. Don't try saying that fast either, apparently. Hmm? Um, he was described by his family as being quiet, but very giving. He was affectionate, kind of shy, but a good man and close with his family. Um... From what I could gather, I don't think that he was ever married or that he had any children. His apartment was described as a bachelor pad, but I just didn't get the sense that he had like been in, like divorced and had a bachelor pad. Well, and it does sound like that would check out for Mark's victimology, right? Because he was looking for someone who wouldn't be missed. And even an ex-husband is an alimony check for, to the right person. So he hopefully did enough research. And I think he was looking for somebody that... And not that Johnny was, but his goal was to get someone that was a little bit desperate to go on a date so that they wouldn't ask too many questions about like, hey, why do I have to pull up to this janky garage and go through the back and why is there plastic everywhere? Or why have I never had a match before and suddenly a blonde chick named Sheena wants me to come That's to it. her just, garage. Just that. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Aww. Also, Sorry. quick rescind. I, I don't hope that Mark Twitchell did enough research. I hope that he sucked at research. But that being said, it was just sort of his goal. That's right. That was what he was looking for because he wanted someone that he could claim was desperate and then exploit that desperation and then lure them to this place that no one would know about and then kill them there. And it would be a long time before they were missing. But he was wrong in this way because that was not the case with Johnny Altinger. So... He had a great network of friends and coworkers that he spent a lot of time with. He was really close with his family. He was very close with his brother. He was close with his mom. And he was a single man living alone. And that made him attractive right. to Mark Twitchell in terms of, again, his murder plan. And on October 10th, 2006, Johnny Altinger and Jed had plans to hang out. And like with Gilles Tetro that we talked about in part one, Johnny had been given the same set of really odd instructions to get to the same garage, except this time, Mark Twitchell was not taking any chances. When Johnny arrived, he was quick to shut the garage door behind him, which he had not done with Jill. And he beat Johnny over the head with a lead pipe. A lead pipe. How much do those weigh? Repeatedly. Oh. In the head. And then stabbed him to make sure that that was good. And then dismembered the body like Dexter did. 
Oh, buddy. So again, like we said in the show, he'd have his kill room with the plastic everywhere as to not leave any DNA or evidence behind. And then he would dismember the body into garbage bags and dispose of them somewhere remote. So typically, like with Dexter, it would be in the ocean. He had his boat, the Slice of Life, which was a very ironic and (laughs) awesome name. But that's where he would go to get rid of the evidence basically and he might have even like gotten rid of some of the tools that he used to but this fucker did not have that but we'll get there so he dismembered the body like dexter did put it in his car and then dumped it in like a sewer which was just literally treating johnny altinger like trash a sewer a sewer might I also just add, I know sewers smell bad, but sewers never smell dead body bad. But Idiot. could you could you imagine a Sorry. loved one being disposed of like that? I can't even. That, I, honestly, I think that my first comment was about the sewer because it's just taking a second to process. That would be such a heinous way to find out that someone that you love and care about has been brutally violated and murdered by finding chunks of their body in a sewer. No. It gets worse. Oh. So, obviously, when he was dismembering him, he would sever the arms and the legs and the head. And it came out later, and we'll we'll talk about later, but just talking about how disregarded he was, you know, the way that he just disregarded Johnny. Right. With his head, he would open and close his mouth and pretend to talk with it like a puppet. Are you f- fucking kidding me he made such a joke out of it and then he said like he laughed at just the silliness of it all the fact you know he made this like stupid voice and he would make it make johnny's like literally make it look like he was talking and that is how he disrespected like it just he defiled it was just it was evil and at this point mark returned to the dexter morgan facebook profile and sent a message to someone that he had been chatting with you know, throughout the, the months. Yeah. And her name was Renee Waring. And they had been talking about their together, their joint, apparently dark urges. And in her mind, she was sort of like talking to either Michael C. Hall or, you know, someone who was joking around. She right. wasn't necessarily joking around, but kind of took it as like they were. And Mark had sent her a message saying, suffice it. Mark sent her a message saying, suffice it to say that I crossed the line on Friday and I liked it. Yay that he's an idiot. But why the hell are you putting a trace on that? Like a paper trail? People didn't know. They just thought if you deleted it, it was gone. What do we know about the internet now? It's not how it works. Nope. So a few days later, Johnny's friends and family were growing concerned because it was not like him not to answer calls. Right. And he was a very hard worker. He took his job very seriously. And his co-workers noticed that he missed work, which he'd never done before. Ever? No. That's impressive. He would never... Well, he would never just no call, no show. Right. And when he didn't show for work and when friends and family sort of started, you know, comparing notes on this, basically just being like, oh, I haven't heard from him at all. uh, Red flags went up. And... They had heard from him that he was going on a date with a Jen okay. and that had he had mentioned that the directions were kind of odd to get to where the date was, but he was going anyway. 
And then, all of a sudden, friends and family get an email from Johnny. What? And it says that him and Jen were hitting it off. They were having a great time. And she was taking him on a trip to Costa Rica. So he wouldn't be seeing them. He was going on this impromptu trip out of country. (laughs) Yes. And they all said this is never something that Johnny would do. Good. At all. And the email was not at all worried, worded how he would have worded it. Like it, Right. It was clearly not written by him. So at this point, his friends and coworkers were like, what in the hell? So they broke into his apartment. And good. their concern had grown to panic because what they found amongst all of his belongings, meaning he didn't pack a bag. Right. Was his passport. Oh. So he didn't go to Costa Rica. Sure didn't. And that told them that this was sinister. This was bad. He would have never behaved this way. I can only imagine the chill you get when you break into a friend's house because you're concerned about them after they say they're just going to up and leave with a rando and then you find their passport. Like, I just got chills. I can't imagine if that actually happened to me. And... Uh Uh-uh. To know that, like, a few days had gone by and everyone was just sort of like, well, we'll see what happens. Maybe they, you know, whatever. And no one just quick and jumped to the police. Well, at this point, now that they found the passport and knew there's no way in hell he's in Costa Rica, they called the police. And so investigators have now labeled him as a missing person and they are looking for him. But their investigation led right to the garage because they were able to find that the messages literally directed him to this garage and so they're like huh that's weird and it was still rented to mark twitchell so they interviewed mark twitchell and he was like oh it's a movie set and oh don't worry about that blood over there that's part of the movie set too did he say that yes dumbass (laughs) he literally did and it's like because even he wasn't even fake dexter wasn't even good at being dexter because he still got blood on the ground which was the whole fucking point oh my gosh Anyway, I'm glad that he fucked also, it up. Also, not to be rude, but in a room full of plastic, how do you pull that off? Well, I don't know how you, like, literally, he got, I wasn't going to mention this, but I guess I will. He got, like, a field dressing kit, like, when okay. the, like for, um, like, when you go hunting, like, when you, like, got a deer or something after you kill right, it. Right, right, right. That's what he used on Johnny. Aww. So, like, he had this, you know, he was disposing of right you know his organs and everything but it's like he never anticipated the amount of blood that's in a human body and when it's quite a lot when you completely dismember somebody that blood all has to go somewhere so it wasn't this super clean scene like he had anticipated it wasn't that he was grossed out by it he was fascinated he you he enjoyed it very much but he messed up right and so the police didn't believe him but they also didn't have evidence pointing to him either mm-hmm. so they were just going to keep sort of investigating him but didn't have anything to cuff him right there but then they noticed that mark has johnny's car i'm sorry how did they was he driving it no okay no he wasn't driving it but i he either had it stored somewhere that was like rented to him or something like they found it and it was like okay well if you watch dexter or if you didn't kill somebody and we're still around to be able to watch season four you would know that he wouldn't just leave a car around okay yeah give those shoulders a little more credit seriously michael c hall is probably like what the fuck (laughs) he ever heard this oh my god i promise i'm not that weird 
but they found you know the story that he had outrageous but they couldn't just be like ah yes well there's no way he sold you that car or whatever he was like oh uh someone was trying to get rid of it because it had like a broken window so i bought it and it was enough to get a warrant well yeah so they did the dead guy that got led straight to this garage and suddenly the owner has his car yes yep well but no body nobody and supposedly he's in costa rica with our friend jen but certainly reasonable suspicion and if i remember right that's all you need for a warrant yes yes so in their search now that they've had a they have the warrant they found mark twitchell's laptop and this is where they recover a deleted file titled sk confessions do you have any guesses on what sk means are you fucking kidding i want you to say it serial killer oh yeah at first i was gonna say sheena killer and i was like (laughs) that's dumb that's are you confessions confessions yikes and it was name it like grocery list or some shit and it was freshly deleted and you know people thought oh if you just delete it it's gone forever no delete the trash so the first line is ready this story is based on true events the names and events were altered slightly to protect the guilty this is the story of my progression into becoming a serial killer okay now don't get me wrong journaling is important writing is usually a good way to you know process thoughts work out feelings confess murder crimes confess murder crimes and i'm not saying that he's alone in doing this there are plenty of manifestos and i've read a few but can we save the manifesto drafts until we're done with what we're doing in the manifesto or is that like a little too complex or can we not lead lives that end up requiring a manifesto later yeah consider therapy is a very real and much cheaper and honestly healthier way to live your life rather than killing yikes that was that was a psa from abby yeah sorry go to therapy kids (laughs) and so that's the opening line and then it goes on to say about how he had lured this guy but he got away and he wasn't gonna let that happen with the second one and he didn't so he murdered and dismembered the second guy and this is where he wrote about like playing with the body parts like having fun not in like a sexual way although i'm sure there was some kind of sexual component but it he wasn't like a necrophiliac or anything but he was literally having fun with it and he laughed about that he fully was like cracking up and he was going on to say that this was a script that he was writing and it was you know it was all part of a film and he talked about house of cards and oh well this was my idea and look this is the set from that this is all what this was and i mean part of it maybe could have checked out minus the dna evidence which is obviously a huge part of it right but to say that he wasn't already writing like sick and devious things things prior would yeah. be incorrect he was so it's not like this was you know the first time and maybe potentially could have been a film script obviously minus all of the other clear evidence against him literally and he was obviously arrested 
they found all of this to be true. The DNA came back. It was Johnny Altinger's. Obviously, he Ugh. had his car. And not until he was already imprisoned did he ex- tell where the body was. Really? Yep. So, 18 months had gone by. Dipshit. But he talked about, you know, in the courtroom, um, he did not try to pretend that he didn't do anything. In fact, he just said, well... Everyone has fantasies about it, but basically you don't have the balls to do it. It's sort of where he was coming from. He's saying most people don't because you don't have the stomach, but I did. I'm better because I could go through with my sick fantasy and ruin somebody's life. And he was just saying that, well, you know, you could never do what I do because... uh, Basically because I'm better than you. Fergalicious. (laughs) And me and Dexter are better than you. Twitchalicious. And that's b- b- bullshit. Yeah. And at this time, Jill had come forward to the police. So they were like... Oh, he does? Yes. Oh, good, good, good. Which really just like put the nail in the coffin for Mark Twitchell because in the writing of how one got away and then right. I got this one and attacking them in the head, you know, with... The word first, for word. Yeah, but the first victim story of just being like, I was the first one he's referring to, you know, after it all came out, it just, it, it really sealed the deal for him. Good. So Mark Twitchell, you know, was arrested and during the court hearing, they read all of SK confessions, which you can find a lot of it. You can find a lot of it on Reddit too, but I wasn't, that's not a reliable source. So I wasn't. No way. Yeah. Yeah. It's people doing people things, but like, I might read that, but they also had Renee Waring testify. Remember, she's the one who he said that he had gone too far but liked it. Yes, who was chatting with his online Dexter persona. Yes. Okay. And she had to testify to this in court to talk, basically to speak to his character and to his sort of, like, interactions that he would have with people in private messaging as Dexter Morgan. Yeah. So she had said that they had messaged often and she had opened up about her own dark urges you know because dexter had dark urges and a dark passenger and she felt comfortable sharing that with you know facebook dexter morgan and and this was all from an article by globe and mail this was just after the trials this is 2011 yeah so she testified that she had told Mark Twitchell as Dexter Morgan that she wanted to kill her ex-husband's new wife. So they had divorced. He's remarried. And she's like, I want to kill her and quote, chop her into pieces and draw little circles with her blood. Little chef's salad. So he replied with, and this is so fucked up. And just the way that he tries to speak eloquently, like he's teaching her something like he's like twisting his little handlebar mustache. Ready? Get this. He goes, Although I appreciate your dark fantasy, it is impractical. Go fuck yourself. What? Yeah. It is impractical. It leaves behind way too much forensic evidence and you are too close to the situation with motive creeping out of your pores. If you really want to make this happen and get away with it, prepare a kill room the same way Dex does. Wall-to-wall plastic sheeting. This was... On October 3rd, which is Mean Girls Day. <laughs> but this was five days before his attempted murder and then seven days 
excuse me five days before the attempted murder and then seven days before the actual one yes so with all of this evidence the jury does not deliberate long in canada's jury system is like sort of different their court system it's like the crowns the prosecutor and it's it's kind of very interesting the, the way that they have everything named but essentially it does not take them long to deliberate and he was found guilty but because it's canada he was only sentenced to 25 years without parole i'm going to wait without parole so he doesn't have so he is has 25 years Mm -hmm. and he's not eligible for parole oh okay 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 my understanding though is when that 25 years is up he's out well and consider i did a little googly search while we were talking about this and he will most certainly if he is in good health be alive when that sentence runs up yeah he'll be out in 2036 what the fuck yeah he was born in oh he was born on july 4th in 1979 yeah he's young i mean he's not by no means is he like elderly or anything like that (gasps) but the irony that he probably just could have hung out and like enjoyed the show but instead you know i love criminal minds i love shamar Moore. those are good shoulders but you know what i'm not gonna do is try to get good enough at computers to hack into the FBI so that they'll hire me to work for them so that I can work with someone who would call me baby girl. You know what I mean? Like, I know common sense. And the other thing that really bothers me about this, I'm on a, I'm on a rampage right now. I'm sorry, but let's fucking stop with 25 years. Okay. I know whatever people can change all of that. I'd even be fine with 25 to life with the potential of parole after 25 years it was premeditated murder it was premeditated murder and attempted murder which we should by the way start fucking treating like murder because it was attempted murder and i guarantee you it's not by their design that it wasn't a completed murder it is usually by some stroke of luck on the victim's end or as um jill's case a stroke of genius true well we can't treat people that are killing people and almost killing people the same no well we can because you are intentionally almost killing people the thing that bothers me is even if it was one even it was just one incident isolated incident where he found a guy and just out of the blue decided to strangle him johnny had more than 25 years left absolutely and not that this is a number for number game. I know we can never know what didn't happen, but we certainly know what did happen. And 25 years, even if you split them up between the two, is 12 and a half for each. And if anybody is saying that's justice, we need to fucking reconsider. Well, and and that's the thing. And so I'm not super well versed in Canadian jury proceedings and trial proceedings same so i'm not sure what that's like but i do like to believe that he's like sitting in prison and every time like a new dexter episode would come out they all got to watch it except him and then be so fun and then he was just in his cell and then they'd be talking about it and he'd be like oh wait guys what happened and they'd be like you wouldn't get it you don't even like the show you wouldn't even get it like i just that's like my sick little my fantasy. fantasy would be that he's sitting in a jail cell and as technology has progressed and he gets, you know, to see people using the Internet and things like that, it's entirely denied from him. I would also really like to see uh, that he not be allowed to check out nonfiction books on crimes and 
devastated problems that have happened in history. Well, and the thing is, is like he wanted to be well known so bad. Okay, you are. And you wanted to be on TV so bad. Okay, you were. But he's going to get out of incarceration and the world of filmmaking is going to be decades ahead of what he knew. He'll never catch up. He'd never make a movie. He'll never like, and it, but it just bothers me that like, there's an idea. There's like this iota of possibility that he is going to get out and live a semi-normal life. It like drives yeah. me bonkers. And I know a lot of good Canadians. This isn't one of them. No, he sucks. So he ended up trying to appeal. And this is... Oh, yeah, that'll go over well. This is a quote that he wrote because the media was attracted to this case. Well, that makes sense. I mean, obviously, with all cases, like, with this sort of drama to them, but it was a social media... Basically, you know, a social media-rooted murder. And the irony in that Johnny Altinger had spent his entire life loving computers and then ultimately using a computer is what led to his death. Right. You know, they were talking about that. They were talking about the irony of the fact that Mark Twitchell wanted to be well-known so bad, and now he is. Right. And... There's deep-rooted irony here. And he also... would He would write a, a script about wanting to murder married men that were cheating on their wives and then be a married man cheating on his wife yep the other thing is i could certainly see how it would be attractive because there's always been debates going on at least in parental groups to my knowledge of whether or not violent content makes your kids violent and i could see this being used as a big case for people who don't understand the deeper intricacies of it well and that's just it he was the way he was before dexter came out right there was no changing that And he was going to find a media or, let's be honest, right one that satisfied that need for him to see that and think about violence and be entertained by it. Right. And he ended up writing this this letter, I believe, to his attorney that got released. And this was in his attempt to appeal. He wrote... The media attention surrounding my case was so extensive, so blatant, and so overtly sensationalized that it is unreasonable to expect any unsequestered jury to have remained uninfluenced by it, regardless of the judge's instructions in the charge. Little fool of yourself there, guy. Yeah. So, naturally, all appeals have been shot down, and he is still incarcerated. Holy hell. So, Bitchel Schnitzel will be out someday, which is very unfortunate. Concerning. But hopefully, with appeals and things like that, I'm, I'm not sure what their system looks like, but at the very least, I hope the families of both victims, really, yeah. are able to heal. I hope Jill is able to heal and feel like he can fully recoup i don't know if that's possible or what that looks like after something like that but at least to the best of his ability and for johnny altinger's mother and brother to sit in the courtroom as mark twitchell's smirking to himself and kind of giggling about the fact that he made a joke after he murdered and decapitated and dismembered the body and then just continued to sort of like play with and he just said like he laughed at the silliness of it he wasn't phased by it there was no no point in time where he just kind of self-reflected and was like oh fuck 
Like, that was bad. He was, when can I do that again? And he was floored that he got caught. Was he really? Yeah, there was no episode of Dexter showing how to get out of that shit. That's fair. And if anyone would know how, it's certainly a character who was written by other people. Yeah, with fake police and fake everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who can create loopholes because they create the rules. So. Yes. So that is the Dexter Morgan copycat murder. It was a bit of a doozy. Yikes, yikes, yikes. But I encourage you, if you're interested in it, to look look it up. I mean, it's pretty gruesome, but you can read the SK Confessions. It's not pleasant, but it really does kind of give you an idea for his writing style. And he, this just, the inflated sense of self that he had. He really thought he was all that in a bag of chips. Men in their 30s. I just... Sorry, not all men, just Mark Twitchell in his 30s. Mark Fuck that guy. Bitchel Schnitzel. So, that's my story and I'm sticking to it, guys. Well, I loved the tale. I love a deep dive and I'm so glad that we got this one going as well as we did. And I'm so excited for the next ones that we do. I am still reeling from that a little bit, though. I'll be honest. The whole idea of seeing something on television and either mistaking that or conflating that to something that could have been real life. That is, I don't know. There are no boundaries there and it makes it really hard to see where the first one was crossed. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I mean, he'd kind of always been a sick fuck. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds it. And his writings from a lot earlier than this showed that, but he felt like he gained momentum with social media becoming more accessible and everyone was on it and now all of a sudden you have access to talk to people from all over your country all over the world and on top of that he got to pretend to be this persona that he identified with online well and in you know different theories of crime that we've learned we learn a lot about the safety nets that a society is intended to set up there's communities families friends schools churches all of those things and i can't say that you know having these set in stone will catch everybody but the whole idea that someone can get this far and fully be so isolated they are that lost in their own delusion I think about that and the only way I can think that that happens is truly lacking a real connection where someone will say, hey, that's not what's fucking happening here. And obviously you have to open up to let someone in for them to see that and respond. But at the same breath, you know, all of the worst things I've done, I've told someone about because either you have to process it, which therapy is great for friends. Or you want your friends to know where you're coming from and your background and also to just share that with someone because it's connecting. You just have to have some sort of connection to do that. And it sounds like he really lacked any safety net in terms of connection and social supports. I mean, did he have supports? Absolutely. Did he ever utilize them? No, he was an asshole. Well, and that's the thing. For support to work, you have to lean on it. And I think... You know, one of the the biggest issues here was that he feels no remorse. 
in the courtroom, he was snickering. I mean, he wasn't, there was no sort of like wake up from that dream that he was in about what he was doing and that satisfaction he got. Could he, you know, have kept going? He would have. Yeah. Sounds it. And I am a huge advocate for rehabilitation. We see that every single day people are not defined by past actions but you are defined by your thoughts about them and you're also not defined by your worst mistake but a mistake is also not intentionally planned and malevolent in nature a mistake is oops i went to grab the milk carton and it's spilled or a mistake at least can it can be an act at the time that you realize later was a mistake and you make changes accordingly but this not premeditation to the length and degree that he had gone he would do it again tomorrow if he could and he'd laugh about it tomorrow if he could do you think he was really into the muppets no you sure about that no (laughs) (laughs) it just ah that makes me sad and you know who else i feel really bad for who his ex-wives they will forever be connected with that heinous man and that horrendous act yes and he has got a daughter his daughter now is roughly 16 years old oh sweet baby that's an that's a guesstimate and for her own privacy i'm not going to look any further into it because yeah that's fair she is her own person she is not defined by the horrific acts that her dad committed but i can only imagine she is probably just as traumatized and pained by this as Johnny Altinger's family. Yeah. Well, I always think about children of offenders as just another victim people forget about because now not only is this someone that, you know, I don't want to say provided for her because I don't know that specifically, but at least created her and had some hand in what her life looked like all the way up until this point. And she has to come to terms with either the fact that she always knew this man was a heinous monster or that she never knew he was capable and she found out from this. And that breaks my little heart because nobody deserves to have to find out their parents are capable of something so grotesque. It's hard enough to find out that your parents are human. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let alone that they are malicious and evil in intended actions. It makes me so sad. And with zero remorse. So, I mean, she's probably in her teens to 20s. Not sure exactly how old she is because, again, I'm not going to look into it more because she deserves her privacy, but I hope that she's doing well. I hope that everyone affected by it is doing well because that is just a horrific story. Yeah. But also a good reminder that you do not have to turn into the people that you came from and you don't have to be defined by them or limited by them. At least you shouldn't be. Exactly. And he's just a pathetic weasel bitchel schnitzel he is a bitchel schnitzel so if you've got any thoughts on this case we want you to reach out to us and i think you could email us but i forget the email abby what's the email oh you know what that is such a great question if you just want to like write this down it's about time the number four 
abutc at gmail.com. Okay, I have my pen. So is it A-B-O-U-T-T-I-M-E? And then you said the number four? The number four. And then TC, yes, at gmail.com. At gmail. None of that Yahoo bullshit. Yeah, none of that. And honestly, the other thing you could do if email is like a little outdated for you, which honestly, get with it. Everybody uses email. But... Hop on our Instagram because we also have the socials. But Ellie, where can we get that? Uh, if I remember correctly, it's about time for true crime pod with periods in the middle. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's about dot time dot four dot true dot crime dot pod. And just double checking, right? That is P O D, not podcast, and also F O R, not the number four. Correct. Okay, six, six, six. I thought I remembered that, but like. Who knows what I remember these days. Cool, 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 cool. Cool, cool, cool. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> um, wow, what a great story. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening. Um, and also, obviously, not great in reality, but definitely a fascinating one and a good look into what makes somebody who they are at the time of these monstrosities that people commit. Also, a really eye-opening tale of something that was not too long ago but kind of shows the dangers of social media and the dangers of uninformed media consumption we all need to have a grasp as to what is real life before we start delving into what's imaginary for fear that exactly what will happen well exactly what happened to mark twitchell will happen again and that's boundaries become too blurred and you think that life is what you see on tv and that's just not true it's just not true, people. It just ain't it. Look it up. So knock it off. Okay. Gosh. Seriously. Why are you blaming me for this? Stop it. It's not my fault. Isn't it, though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it that way. I'd rather people not be able to kill everyone and get away with it. Oh, you're so good sometimes. I know. I'm just a goody two-shoes. Thank you guys for suffering through that. I know that was a lot, but we made it. And guys, do stay tuned. I... Know that it comes out on the same day, but we're going to do our first ever CJ short where we discuss some theory about criminal justice. And specifically, our first one is going to be on serial killers and the classification of them. But that's all we're going to say about it. (laughs) So now you have to listen to the next one. Gotcha. Sucker. Okay. I guess on that note, that seems like it was time for true crime. I think it was a about time for true crime wouldn't you say i would say it was fucking about time Time for for true true crime crime. okay goodbye you guys bye you guys goodness listen to the next one